Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Today's episode is brought to you by Mahina Offshore Services, which is the company run by John Neal, who has been a guest on the podcast many times before. Mahina Offshore Services offers three ways to help you get started with a sailing lifestyle. There's ocean sail training expeditions in many places around the world, boat selection consultation if you are planning on boat shopping, and last but not least, a virtual offshore cruising seminar which is a great resource you can do at your own pace from the comfort of your couch. And you can learn more about all of these and also some free resources on the website mahina.com. Here's what's coming up next on the Liverboard Sailing Podcast. Here we land and it's COVID and they're like, you need to go now. So nobody, our broker was supposed to come down and sail with us to St. Martin. He couldn't get there. He was stuck in Grenada. So really, we had a manual that was in French and we didn't have anybody walk through the boat with us. So we we knew what we knew from the site survey and and that was about it. So learn, we were learning the boat as we were sailing across from island to island where we couldn't stop anywhere if something broke anyway. So it didn't really matter. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. I am your host, Annika. On the Liverboard Sailing Podcast, I chat with awesome people who live, work, and travel on their sailboats. My guests share inspiring stories and real-life advice about the lifestyle so that you and I can be better prepared for our sailing adventures. This week, I'll take you to the Caribbean with my guests Ben and Kitra, who talk to me about their first couple of years of cruising. This episode has some great tips for anybody thinking about buying a boat in the Caribbean, as that is what Kidra and Ben did, and it wasn't exactly smooth sailing. 
We also talk about jumping into the lifestyle without excessive preparation or expectations. I really enjoyed hearing about their attitude and approach and how that has served them well. And I hope you enjoy this episode. Here is my chat with Kitra and Ben. Let's start by talking about the present moment. Uh, where in the world are you? And uh, of course, since we are talking about sailing, what kind of boat are you on? So right now we're in Antigua. We arrived about a week ago. We had friends that came with us and they flew home. And then, of course, we had boat trouble. So we had to work on that. We came up. Uh, we spent hurricane season last year down in Grenada. And so mid-November, uh, we started working our way up, up the island chain, and we're probably going to stay up here for a couple months, maybe. And then we'll start working our way back down uh, Grenada Way and do hurricane season back down there this year. So we have a um, Katana 47, which is a catamaran. It's a daggerboard cat. So we have a little bit more upwind performance than, than uh, a, a regular non-daggerboard cat. Um, but we sacrifice some because we don't have the space that uh, we're a little bit more sparse, I guess you would say, than, than some of the other catamarans. So we don't have, uh, while it works really great for us and for a couple friends, it would probably not be a great platform for folks with with kids, or at least if you had older older kids. Of course, I say that, and then all of a sudden, I start thinking of all the guys that have katanas that have kids. So, so maybe that's a disregard, but anyway. And how long have you been sailing now? And uh, you talked a little bit, you've gone from Grenada to Antigua, and, and you're heading back. But uh, how long have you been living on your boat? And where did you start at the at the very beginning? So we bought the boat in Martinique, and when we picked up the boat was basically to the day that the island of Martinique shut down because of COVID. So um, our original plans were to take the boat to um, St. Martin and then have some stuff done on it in St. Martin, and um, that all went by the wayside. So oh, St. Martin closed down too. So St. Really? Martin closed down a couple weeks or a couple days later. And then the islands just one by one started shutting down. So we basically sailed the boat back to Texas and we're in uh, Galveston Bay in Kima for a year. And then we started out on the adventure. So we that would be December. We moved on the boat in December of 20. So this is our second year living on the boat and two and a half years since we bought. We, we got it in April of, of 20. And we spent that year just working on the boat, getting it where we wanted it to be. And then uh, and we were closing out our house also at the same time in Fort Worth. So. During COVID, when everybody was shut in, we were basically running up and down the freeway from Dallas to Houston, working on our boat and closing out our house. So that was kind of what we did during COVID. And then in April 21 right. was when we finally left dock. And that first year, we kind of was our shakedown cruise. Islands were not really open yet. So we 
just went up the East Coast to Chesapeake and spent um, hurricane season in Chesapeake that year. And then we started working our way back to Florida and spent winter in Florida. And then the islands started opening up. And so that was my dream was to be in the islands. And so Ben decided he should make that happen. So come <laughs> February, February of last year, almost a year ago is when we left uh, Florida and uh, made our way, did a sh quick jump through the Bahamas and then to St. Thomas and then uh, to the Eastern Island chain, St. Martin, and then started our way down to Grenada. Right. So you've seen quite a bit already. Uh, we covered a lot of territory in the first year. And one of the things that we were talking about is um, we were always on a schedule. There was always a place to go. We needed to get to Chesapeake by hurricane season the first year. So you were you were on a timeline. And then, then we didn't leave Chesapeake until November. So now winter's coming on. So now we got to get south to Florida because you're freezing up and... <laughs> And you have all these northerns that are coming in. So you're on a timeline to, to find a weather window to get down south. And then when we left in February, we had to be in Grenada by June. So you're on another timeline of, of getting across and down. So this year, our goal is really to slow down and just enjoy the islands and spend time. And I mean, the thing that we really love about cruising is getting to know the people and getting to every island's different and getting to know the cultures of the different islands. So I just said this year, people are like, well, where are you going? And I'm like, we're not going any further than Antigua. You know, that's, this was our destination and we'll stay here a while and then we'll start playing our way back, back to Grenada. But the whole point of this year is it's not rushing from one place to the next. So Yeah, that sounds nice. Just slowing down a little bit because, of course, like you said, being on a schedule is not always that much fun when you need to rush. And, of course, hurricane season is, is a different thing. But uh, if you have other schedules that can make the whole experience uh, a little bit different. Makes it more stressful. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's not the point of sailing, is it? <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I will say, even though we had a schedule... Ben is very cognizant of, of trying to pick really good weather windows so that, you know, our experience is pleasant. And um, so he's done a really great job of that. So that's been a really nice thing about getting down here. We're not, we don't have to go offshore, like leaving Chesapeake, you're offshore, you our boat. Uh, the mast is too tall for us to be in the... Um, Intercoastal waterway. Intercoastal so waterway. So we, we have to go offshore. We can't be in, in the so ditch at all. If the storm comes, we can't duck in. You know, so we just have to pick a really good window to get to our next hop. So he's done a really great job of doing that. And um, we use a weather service that kind of helps us with that, too. So those those two things have made the experience, I think, as least stressful as, as you can be. Well, you mentioned a few islands that you visited, and I know you've written about these on, on your blog as well, but what have been some of your highlights uh, so far in, in the couple of years of cruising? You know, uh, probably one of the biggest surprises for us has been Dominica. It's a smaller island. 
very mountainous, but beautiful. And then we've spent a lot of time there going first down to Grenada. We spent several weeks there. We we stopped on the way down with the idea that we were going to be there a couple of days, just pick up some friends and then head off to St. Lucia. And we ended up staying for two weeks because we we just thought it was we really enjoyed it. And then on our way back up, we spent probably over a month there. We uh, had different friends coming in and out, and it was a good place for them to fly in and out and lots to see and do there. So we would rent a car and drive around. And then we've met people who live on the island. So um, there's a particular market lady that always know, knows me now and knows what I want and helps me get different fruits, vegetables, eggs, whatever I'm looking for. Uh, there's a couple other people that we've met um, that we've really enjoyed getting to know. So it just makes that experience a lot nicer, you know, once you get to know some of the local people. And so we, re we really enjoyed there. But people ask me, what's our favorite island? I can't tell you that because they're all different. I mean, we loved Grenada. We stayed there for six months. Yeah, no wonder. I mean, to me, all of the Caribbean islands sound fabulous. And I feel like I could spend many, many seasons sailing around there. But uh, obviously, what you described there, you know, exploring, taking your time, you know, meeting friends and making new friends, it sounds really ideal. It sounds like, you know, the dream. And I'm curious, has the lifestyle kind of met your expectations? Um, what you maybe had when you were preparing for all of this? Well, you know, it's really interesting for us because um, our preparation was was very short. We um, lost our mothers in about a two-week span and went on a weekend together. It was like, well, now what are we going to do with ourselves? <laughs> and um, it's like, well, I've been looking at boats, and that was in, like, September, and by December we were buying a boat. So we did not, we could have planned this adventure uh, a lot better. You know, there's, there's folks that have spent years, you know, they know in college, I want to, when I finish working or whenever I get the chance, I want to, to, uh, you know, get a boat and go sailing. We didn't, <laughs> we did not know that. Uh, that was not our experience. We both sailed. Ben was a big racer. So sailing was in our life. But um, we weren't, we didn't prepare, you know, like years in advance. We just kind of decided next thing I knew we were jumping off the ledge. So um, I think Kitra would have been happy to go to an island and set up shop, you know, get a place. And but that would have been really small for me sooner or later. And um, so that was kind of off the off the table. And we had kind of talked, yeah, maybe we get a boat and we go sailing. But that's about as far as it had really gotten. So when we made the jump, we didn't really have any expectations. It was, I enjoy being on the water. So it was, it probably, um, I'm sure that, that I, I liked the first couple of years uh, more than Kitra did. Uh, she, her expectation was to get to the islands, to be able to snorkel and swim and meet people and, and whatever. And so that, that first year was probably really frustrating for her in that we weren't there. We weren't, uh, 
we're on a boat, great, but we're not where I want to be. So once we we got to the islands, I think all of a sudden our expectations were met. And um, then so far, they haven't disappointed, at least from my uh, from my perspective. And I, I think our maybe our goals and expectations change as, as you as you begin the life, because I guess a lot of people, maybe they know what they're getting into, but we didn't know exactly what we were going to get into. Um, we had chartered in the islands a lot, but you know, when you're, when you're on a charter, it's a 10 days and you don't even look at the weather. You just go because you have 10 days to get it all in. So for us, um, getting down here and, and spending time was really one of the things I wanted to do. And, you know, just learning to live on a boat and, and live in a very small space and learning to what you need and what you don't need. Those are huge parts of this lifestyle. And um, those expectations change over time of what you think you need or what you thought you were going to need or whatever. Expectations change because we've met so many people that I didn't really expect the cruising community to be as tight as it is. One thing I love that has become amazing to me is the cruising community is so wonderful in helping each other. You know, back in the States, if the cars broke down the side of the road, somebody might stop, but they might not. Whereas here, if somebody needs help, it's amazing the people who will come and help you, the people who will, you know, point you in the right direction. The cruising community, the people are super nice and helpful with one one another. I mean, almost to a T. I I might can think of one person maybe along the road. That I thought, well, I don't really want to hang out with him, but I can't, I, in my mind, I can't think of that person. I mean, it's been so many nice, wonderful people from all different backgrounds and parts of the world, but it doesn't matter. You're still part of the cruising community. So um, that's a huge difference in what I expected because I, I expected us, yes, to meet people, you know, but you come and go, whatever. But we we were in Grenada for six months and we became friends with a lot of people there and we've seen them all up and down the island chain. And and now some of them are, you know, one one some folks we've met have now gone through the Panama Canal. But I have no doubt that we'll be following them and wishing them well, like their whole journey, because we, you know, really got to know them that well. So that's probably a big difference of expectations that I had. It, it is interesting. Um, you know, if you go to a social gathering in the States, you might find somebody that you're talking to that you have something in common with. And, you you know, then you might uh, actually develop a really good rapport. But if you go to a, an event in the islands, virtually everybody is in the same boat. I mean, everybody's trying to get into an island. How do you how do you clear customs here? How do you get into this? Uh, can you anchor in this bay? And so and I don't know if it's because you're on a boat and you're starved for conversation from somebody else <laughs> that, that, that allows you because you start talking to people. And then if you have a rapport with them, then the next thing you know, you'll kind of hang with them. And, and we find people that we buddy boat with and you'll be with them for, I don't know, a month or six weeks or, or something or longer. And then they'll go off on a on a vein and and later on you'll meet back up with them. 
So um, that part is um, is really enjoyable, and I think that was not at all on the table. Um, everybody said that your um, you'll your, the cruising community is great, and you'll like it. You know, you'll meet all kinds of people, but we didn't really quite get that. I don't I don't think so. That probably exceeds expectations of, you know, it, there's a good and a bad. You meet people and you become really close friends with. I mean, I'm sure uh, we've got people that we met in Chesapeake that we still talk to. And I'm sure we will meet up with them again. Um, but you're also there's kind of a bittersweet is because you're always saying goodbye to people. That's that was not. That was that was not really you just don't think about that, really, that, you know, you see him and then and then here you are a month later. Hey. So anyway, that that part's been kind of fun. Yeah, that's really interesting. And you are by no means the only ones who said that the cruising community has been such a positive surprise. And uh, it's really great to hear about these experiences of how you you know, meet people and uh, you instantly have something in common with them because you all live on a boat. So you kind of know you're a little bit on the same level. Uh, it doesn't matter what kind of person is, where they're from or, you know, what their socioeconomic status is or any of these. It's just you're on a boat, so we're already friends. Right. <laughs> you have all you have a lot of the same challenges and and, you know, you're 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 in the same pond together and and it doesn't matter, you know, what your political background is or any of those kind of things. You just really learn from one another a lot and people are just super helpful. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic to hear. But so you, it's, it sounds to me that you had the idea of sailing, like if sailing is a thing, that's great. We like to sail, but you weren't really, like you said, you weren't planning for this for years and years. It's just the opportunity I eventually came, you know, you decided to retire and then it's like, oh, well, let's buy a boat now. Uh, so talk to me about that. What was the, I guess, few months or a year before you bought the boat? What was that like? And and uh, you said you bought your boat in the islands. So how was that process like? Well, we, we Ben's, Ben's mom had been living with us for three years and um, I had retired to kind of help take care of her. I was in a position where I could retire, and so I kind of helped take care of her, and so that's kind of what I was doing, and then Ben was kind of getting to that retirement age, but we hadn't really planned for him to retire. COVID kind of retired him, and so found ourselves in this, well, now what kind of, you know, framework of now what are we going to do? And like Ben said before, you know, he really likes to sail, and I couldn't see him puttering around the house a whole lot in retirement. That's not really what he likes to do. So this seemed like something while we still have the ability to do it, you know, because I'm sure at some point physically we won't be able to do this. And so while we still had that ability and while we still had the means to do it, we thought, well, why not? And that's, it was really that simple. Just why not? Why not give it a shot? We like to sail. We like to be on the water. It was almost a jump and then and then figure out where you're going to land. Uh, like I said, we didn't really plan this very well. You know, it's we we made a, a commitment to ourselves to do it for five years. Let's and um, 
will, you know, there's going to be the first year with is without a doubt the hardest. You have challenges of every unimaginable is, you know, you think of all the things that can go wrong and, and that you kind of a, kind of mentally think about them and plan for them. But there's just a myriad of things that happen that you're not expecting. Then you're you're in a combined space. We there's a there is a uh, there's a lot of alone time or togetherness. So learning learning all of that. Anyway, that that part um, is part of the challenges that um, that we hadn't anticipated and um, you know been able to, to plan for. So from the um, how did we get here uh, perspective. It was really more, we started the journey and now it's like whenever you open the door, you kind of deal with, with what, which, which way you're going to go, if that, makes, if that makes sense. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I will say for the first year after we shoved off, I probably, I don't know how many times a week I would look at my husband and I'd go, you live on a boat. <laughs> because it was like, well, how do we get here? We live on a boat. Yeah. How did that happen? <laughs> it seemed like such an odd thing to be doing. We live on a boat. Because again, it wasn't something we like talked about, dreamed about. It was like, suddenly we live on a boat. But as far as buying the boat, um, Ben really wanted, we were, we were monohull sailors. Um, that's really what we um, were used to sailing. We had chartered catamarans, but we weren't, uh, and they're a great party platform because you can put a lot of people on them and they have more, more space, but we had always sailed a monohull and that's um, kind of what we were leaning towards. But then in big seas and just the two of us and you've got a lot of sail up and how do we handle that safely? And that kind of directed us towards the catamaran version. And then it, it's a lot more stable platform. It's a it's a um, it's a different platform than it's a different motion altogether than a, a monohull. But uh, that got us going into the catamaran portion. And then I wanted something that would go upwind like a monohull, and that's the, the dagger boards are the are the closest thing. And they're you know it's not identical, but uh, but it does well. Uh, and so because of that, there's was not a lot of dagger board catamarans on the market. There was only a few in the U.S. Um, one was way out of our price range, 
One was in major disrepair. And so there was only a, a few viable katanas that were in our price range, and they happened to be in the islands. And one was in Guatemala, which seemed like a really hard place to get to. And one was in Martinique, which you wouldn't think was a hard place to get to. But from the States, there was like one flight a week. And so it took us time to figure out how are we going to get there and get back. And finally, our broker was like, if you're interested in this boat, you might want to, you know, start really getting interested because it's going to go. And so we finally got ourselves to Martinique and, and did the site survey and all that and, and then put the offer on it. The thing that was probably surprising of that whole process was we, we made our offer, signed a contract in December, but we did not close till March. It just drug on and on. And part of that was some finance issues between buying a French boat in a French island through an American bank. And then part of it was because the boat was French flagged and getting it changed into a U.S. flag uh, was was a kind of a process. And so things dragged on, I think, longer than anybody thought they would. So we were quite surprised, I guess, that it took that long for us to get to close on it. And like I said, but by the time we did, now it's March. We finally fly down to get the boat. And literally the day we got there you know, the island shut down. So um, I, I was, um, I was actually afraid, you know, COVID was, was in its infancy. So we, we didn't know anything about it. We didn't know what to expect. And, and that was never in our cards in our wildest imagination on, on the first year on our boat, what it would be like. And then uh, all of a sudden now you're, you're shut down. I was was concerned that U.S. airlines were going to shut our flights down and we wouldn't be able to get down here and get the boat. And and the people that had it wanted it off their dock. I had no no even inkling that uh, I wouldn't be able to go anywhere. the The idea that the island was going to shut and nobody else was going to to uh, let us come to their island. And my cousin had come down with us to uh, help pick up the boat. And, and he called me the night before and he said, so just in case we, we can't go someplace else, can we sail this boat back to the States? And I was like, yeah, we could. But that's never going to happen. Well, lo and behold, that's exactly what happens. So, so our, you know, that's a, probably another thing with our expectations is that any expectation that we had in the beginning was that was totally changed because of COVID. Which so. I'm sure, I mean, it, it was for lots and lots of people. So I'm, our story is not in isolation, but um, it was definitely not something when we, when we put the contract on December, nobody ever heard of COVID. And so it was definitely not on our radar when we did that. And we were thankful that we were able to get here to get the boat and it didn't just sit on some mooring ball for a year. You know, that would have been horrible to have closed on our boat and then now we can't get to it, you know, and they were just going to stick it on a mooring ball. And I can't even imagine what it, the shape it would have been in had that happened to us. So the fact that we got there the day before it closed, I'm thankful for that. The fact that we couldn't go to Martinique and get the work done we had planned was, I'm sorry, St. Martin was a little stressful. 
are a lot stressful. Um, but we did get to St. Thomas and uh, worked with some people there to get just basic things like chart plotter and radar and you know some basic safety things to get us back all the way to Texas. So being able to do that was was helpful. And you know we the good thing I guess about it all is Ben ended up doing most of the work on the boat, and so he now knows the boat. And and so there's good and bad about all of those traumas at the time. But um, if you look at the bright side, and in the end, it probably all worked out to the best. Yeah, I was going to ask, what condition was the boat, and was it ready to do that big hop from the Caribbean all the way to Texas? It's you know, it's not that far, but it's quite far when you're on your new boat. It took us a month and two days. We were supposed to be gone 10 days and um, just fly down, sail to sail to St. Martin, leave the boat, fly home. That's what we we're supposed to do. And so a month and two days, we finally landed in Texas. So we did spend 10 of those days in, in St. Thomas getting that work done, radar and AIS and, you know, like basic stuff. But um, otherwise, we landed in Key West for a couple days, and we went to Sarasota a couple days, and rest of the time we were sailing. So, so it was the boat was overall sound, but um, I don't think it had. I think they had been in limbo for probably about six months. Nobody had been on it. So the basic systems, like the water tanks, you couldn't really drink water out of the water tanks because they, you know, they could have had algae or, or mold or whatever. The fuel ended up being a little bit of an issue because, again, you get you get slime and mold in, in the fuel tanks. And so... And our batteries wouldn't hold the, a charge. The batteries, yes, would not <laughs> hold a charge. So we had some of the, you know, there was... Uh, the chart plotter had charts from the Caribbean, but they were basically down for St. Martinique and St. Lucia. So we didn't really have charts. So I had Navionics on my phone, which got us to the, the BBIs. That's how I got to St. We got to St. Thomas. And then we, uh, we bought a chart plotter and strapped it up by the steering station to, <laughs> I think with zip ties to be able to uh, make that work. And so we had to, we had to do some, um, you know, some, some basics had to buy batteries to get to where, you know, we could, we didn't have to run engines and, and such to keep the batteries going. So it, it was a challenge. And then we didn't know, we didn't know the boat at all. So it's supposed to hold, 150 gallons of gas does it really you look in the you look in the tank and it seems like doesn't seem like we have much gas left <laughs> so we need to now not run the engines and, and strictly sail because we don't want to run out of gas so there were all of those things that went along with not knowing the boat and not knowing the systems well um, you know and when you charter a boat they come on the boat with you and they walk through everything with you and they show you everything. Well, here we land and it's COVID and they're like, you need to go now. So nobody, our broker was supposed to come down and sail with us to Martin to St. Martin. 
he couldn't get there. He was stuck in Grenada. So really, we had a manual that was in French, and we didn't have anybody walk through the boat with us. So we we knew what we knew from the site survey, and 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 that was about it. So learn we were learning the boat as we were sailing across from island to island where we couldn't stop anywhere if something broke anyway. So it didn't really matter. <laughs> Again, probably not the best way to do it. <laughs> your, your indoctrination is not yeah, probably a little different. Yeah, you jumped right into the deep end, but, you know, not by choice, yeah, really. You really did. I mean, luckily, Ben had been around boats for years and years. So the whole boat concept and and engines and all that stuff was not a foreign thing to him. So um, that helped a lot as we went along. Yeah, we had we had uh, we talked to some friends, I think, from the from the uh, from the BVI's. And, you know, we were trying to get people to to help us move the boat back because it was it was the three of us and my cousin. And um, but nobody could come because they couldn't either get flights or or whatever. Anyway, so we're talking to, to some folks and they said, well, uh, I, I don't. So the boat's not for sale yet. Correct. <laughs> so far, it's not for sale. So, so, you know, it was a it was a little bit of a struggle, but but uh, it, it didn't totally deter us. Oh my, what what a start. Yeah, the pandemic certainly throws in uh, some additional challenges. So I'm sure having a new to you boat is, you know, a challenge on its own anyway. So to, to do that, and of course, you're in a foreign country where they speak French. With that in mind, would you have advice for anyone who is maybe looking to buy a catamaran or a monohull somewhere in the Caribbean, maybe in a country where they don't speak a lot of English? Well, Ooh. I will say one thing that helped us originally is we, a friend did go with us originally to Martinique and he spoke French. And while he didn't sail back with us, he didn't have that ability. He did stay a couple of days and kind of helped us get groceries and just get things, you know, basic things on the boat that we needed and kind of helped us talk with the people, the limited amount of people that were around. Taking someone with you who does speak French in a French island can be helpful. I would say, I don't know how to navigate that whole flag situation. It's kind of a catch 22 in that they don't want to change the flag unless they know for sure you have the financing, but the financing doesn't want to give you financing unless the flags, unless the flag is in the U S and so it was a real catch 22 back and forth. And finally the finance people wanted the boat to be taken to the USVI, which they might've done that way back in the beginning, but they didn't tell us that then. And, so that whole back and forth thing, I'm not even sure what's the best way to navigate that. But I would certainly try to work that out with your broker and your finance people before you jump into that. I, I think probably the key, if you're going to buy a boat um, that's out of charter or you're going to buy it from an individual owner, um, Probably really one of the keys is getting a broker that you can work with and that you like. A lot of the brokers, their idea of the boat for you is the boat that they have. And so we dealt with several. And the the guy that we ended up 
working with had a very good understanding of what we were looking for. And it would have, it would have panned out um, a lot better if he would have been, you know, again, COVID and he wasn't able to get there. So and he uh, also spoke French. He spoke French. So that he, would have been helpful. He too. had a, a rapport with the company we were getting it out of. And so that would have would have helped us a lot. But uh, I, I do think getting a broker that understands your needs and your your price range and what and that can tell you pros and cons about uh, about something that you haven't necessarily thought about. And there's there's several uh, companies in Florida that have got some really good brokers that can help you navigate through that. And that, and again, with the flagging and insurance and what's acceptable and, you know, the, the owner of the boat may be asking something that is unreasonable and you don't know that. So, you know, the broker is going to be able to help you get, get through that. If, especially if you're buying a boat in, in the islands, you know, there's, there's, um, uh, there's some pros in that you can probably get probably get better deals. The um, Florida market had gone crazy, and anyway, that not saying you have to buy it out of the islands, but uh, there's pros and cons to it. <laughs> it's in the islands, <laughs> and, and you you know getting to it and seeing the site survey and all that is is uh, difficult. So uh, it. It would be a lot easier to buy it from the states if you can if you can find the one you're looking for, and and the other part of that is narrowing down the boat that you're that you're wanting to find. I mean, we we basically knew a couple of models that we were set on that would have been, I guess you'd say, acceptable, and then finding one that was in our price range and that met the criteria, then you just have to go after and find out where it is. And and we were lucky in that it, we found one within a short period of time. You know, there's people that wait for years to be able to, to get the boat that they're, that they're looking for. So, and we didn't have the luxury of trying to buy one new or, you know, have one built. That wasn't a, something that was in our price range. So we were needing to buy something used and then finding something that, can buy it used and then pour in as much money as you <laughs> as you would have bought if you bought it new. So finding one that was in a good enough shape that we could, you know, knew that we weren't going to break the bank just getting it ready to go. I will say that Ben did a lot of research on his own before we even got to the broker stage. He kind of had an idea of what he wanted, which I think helped a lot when we did get to the broker stage because we, we could say this is what we're looking for. And if a broker wasn't really on board with that, because like you said, sometimes they just want to sell you the boat they have, then we could just move on, you know, to find somebody who understood what our needs were and what we our expectations were. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, you bought your boat on a French island. So was all the documentation like the survey or the contracts was were those also in French or were those bilingual or English or? So we ended up, uh, and now this was from our from our broker. He was able; he knew a surveyor that was actually not on Martinique, was on Saint Lucia, but he was uh, he spoke English, and so he he knew that that was important to have that documentation written in English, to where we would be able to present it to the insurance company, and we would also be able to understand it that without a translation. 
So this, the survey, uh, we brought him over, and it was a ferry ride from Martinique to or St. Lucia to, to Martinique. And he was there for a couple of days, and we were on the boat with him while he, you know, so we, we were able to have firsthand knowledge when, while it was happening. And then we had the, the written report to, to back up. So, yes, getting it in English, I think, was was very important for us. And having him on the boat speaking English to us as he goes through the boat was really important for us because things get lost in translations. So, But all of the boat paperwork was in French. So when we went to go back in looking for schematics or any of that, and the, the boat uh, katanas are built in France, so I, I do have resource from the factory, but I still get it in French. So, <laughs> so uh, Google Translate helps me a lot. I bet, yeah, that's uh, yeah. French is not an easy language to understand if you've not studied it. There's there's basically no hope. <laughs> Right, right. At least for us. <laughs> well, this has been wonderful to learn a little bit about your story uh, and your experiences. And, and thank you for sharing that advice, because I know a lot of people are boat shopping on the islands because, you know, the pandemic boat supply uh, is, has been a little bit weird in the last couple of years from when I've been looking at, uh, at boats. So there aren't a ton available here in North America. So I'm sure a lot of people are looking out a little bit further afield. So it's good to have this uh, experience to share to everyone. It's probably not, it's it's not a terrible experience and, and we didn't mean to, but it does have its challenges. And it kind of maybe is a precursor for, for boat life because boat life is a, is a daily, it's kind of a daily challenge. Uh, and, it, and, you know, buying a new boat, we've we've heard we've got friends that have gotten new boats and and they still have things that break daily and so getting an older boat is not necessarily um a a bad thing our boat is a 2012 and you know we knew that we we um we knew that in a 10 year old boat there's going to be certain things that are going to be time for replacement not only because of breakage but or breakage but just um, new technology and they're going to be reaching end of life. And so you could plan, you can plan for your upgrades to tailor, make it to what you're looking at. So, uh, or, you know, what suits your, your personal preference. You know, I wouldn't, I definitely wouldn't shy away from uh, a used boat. 10 year old boat is, is definitely you know, there's going to be less stuff to that you have to do deal with than a 20 year old boat, but um, still, there's there's plenty of 20 year old boats that are that are out there that are in you know really nice shape, and and a lot of those have have had things already been upgraded, and so you may not have to upgrade them for a little bit. But anyway, yeah, it's the uh, journey of boat shopping and, and navigating through everything that's available and what you want and all that. It's uh, all part of the fun. But I think it was well said that you kind of have to survive the boat buying process. It's the precursor to the boat life. <laughs> if you can't survive that, then you know, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. If you can't, if you can't, if you can't stand, you know, if you don't have the stomach for buying it, then 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 you probably are. It's a good thing to not get it. Well, and I would I, the final thing I would say of boat life is is you just got to be flexible. 
you got to be ready. You've got to be flexible in, in your uh, your expectations. You got to be flexible in the weather. You know, a friend of ours says, well, you live outside. And I'm like, well, I guess we kind of do. And so flexibility and learning to go with the flow is super important. We, we've met people who are just like, it's just too stressful. We can't do it. And, you know, they haven't ever, you know, it's been a couple of years and they're out. So having that ability to something breaks now, I look at my husband, I go boat life and I got to walk away. It's like, okay, here we go again. You know, and being able to just, to just be ready to go with the flow, I think is really important. If you want this lifestyle is not having to have everything planned. I'm a huge planner and I had to let that go. And so uh, you plan the best you can but then you got to be ready for things, unexpected things to happen. And that's just part of the life. That's perfect advice to wrap this up with. So Ben and Kitra, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. This was great. Well, thank, well, thank, you, thank you for you. Yeah. offering the opportunity. There you have it. I hope you enjoyed today's story. I thought it had a lot of practical tips on buying abodes in a foreign country. And it was just great to hear a little bit more about Caribbean sailing. Next week, it's time for more stories and different stories, this time from monohull sailors who have also been on the podcast before. In the meantime, come find me on Instagram or Patreon as Liverboard Sailing Podcast, and I'll see you next week. Bye for now. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.